sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here. To the early line, hour number two, giving you the edge on Sports Grid. Dane and Kevin and Kev, we got to find the edge in the NFC East, right? Like you're talking about yeah. the Eagles and you know whatever. We understand the path to how they get there, whether Carson Wentz is broken or not. We will see. That's an extended conversation I can have with you for so long, but we don't need to cover all that. Let's cover what happened in Week 11. The Dallas Cowboys got a victory. I, you know. Listen, I was thinking that that Minnesota Vikings offense was going to be enough. And listen, they put up 28 points. Dalvin Cook was able to run for over 100. Kirk Cousins goes over 300. But the Dallas Cowboys offense, right, came back to play. I mean, Zeke Elliott, Kev, this surprised me. This was his first 100-yard effort of the season, Kev. That's a little bit of a surprise, 21 for 103. But here's the question. You know, Andy Dalton was really only in there as the Cowboys quarterback for, what, a week, a week and a half, whatever Mm -hmm. it was, right? Now that he is back, they still have other weapons, right? They have Zeke Elliott and Pollard. They have three wide receivers that need to be respected. Dalton Schultz gets in the end zone. Do the Dallas Cowboys under Andy Dalton with time to, you know, digest his team, build chemistry and practice reps Mm -hmm. and all that, are the Cowboys an offense that can, you know, get to – Six wins? I mean, whoever wins that Thanksgiving dinner matchup in the NFC East is going to be in the catbird seat. Will be the first team in that division to four wins. Talk to me about the Cowboys side of this first. Like, is there anything to be encouraged by offensively? Well, at the end of the day, see, this is the thing about the NFC East, right? So when it comes to teams that are contending, I hold them to a higher standard than a result. The NFC East, you get a result. It's Christmas Day. Oh, my God. The Cowboys got a result. Now, they had multiple touchdown drives that came off of turnovers. They got turnovers. That's great for them. Do I think that both turnovers were a bit fluky? A Dalvin Cook ball that could have easily been called incomplete? And one of the weirdest strip sacks I've ever seen? Yeah. Yeah. They got him. That's all that matters. (laughs) Right? And also, they had the chance to tap out. And they didn't tap out. They took the momentum from being competitive against the Pittsburgh Steelers, and they carried it over. There is still offensive talent here. Dalton doesn't need to be great. He needs to be competent. Andy Dalton threw three touchdown passes. One of them was behind the line to Zeke. One of them, CeeDee Lamb, made catch of the season. And the other one, Dalton Schultz, was so open, I don't think the Vikings knew he was on the field. But guess what? They all count. They all go up in the scoreboard, and that's what matters. And again, Tuesday will usually hit our futures market, but there were two spots Mm -hmm. I wanted to make sure we did a little schedule watching. The Dallas Cowboys, who to me should right now be favored to win this division, their remaining games, Dane, this is the only world you will find us in the NFC East, where you go, oh, maybe, home versus Washington, at the Ravens, at the Bengals, home versus the Niners, home versus the Eagles, at the Giants. Yeah, I mean, maybe, but like, how can you honestly at this point even understand what a Cowboys Washington game is going to be or a Cowboys Giants game so, is going to be, you know? Listen, so here's the deal. It, this all starts with what do you think happens on Thursday? 1000%. But Dallas yeah. is home. 
Okay, Dallas has three divisional games left. That's massive. You want all of them. And there are three other games at Baltimore. They're dead. They'll lose by a zillion. Baltimore beats bad teams. Ryan Finley, Mick Mullins. No, I hear that. You, that's your that's who you swing with at plus 250. Fair enough. As we welcome in our radio audience around the country, it's important also to talk about these Minnesota Vikings who were gasping for air in the yep. playoff picture anyway and then kind of lose. You know, I mean, when you look at the stat line, though, right, Thielen has a good game. Cook has a good game. Cousins, you know, doesn't throw any picks. But this defense could certainly use the potential pro bowler of Yannick Ngakwe to get yes. some pressure still. But, you know, we will see what Minnesota can do. That defense will need to fix some things. I want to stay, though, in the NFC East. we got to keep it moving, Kev. Let's talk about this other NFC East team, the Washington football team. They get a win as well, right? Yes, it's over Ryan Finley, but you just mentioned a result is a result, and they get said result, right? The Washington football team. Listen, Antonio Gibson has been a rookie running back kind of revelation, getting into the end zone again. You have Terry McLaurin, who is a legit, you know, top-level wide receiver, and just enough to get the job done. That front is also coming through. Chase Young, like a boss, nice moment. The two former Buckeyes, also Chase Young, staring in right there, watching over Joe Burrow as he gets carted off. Talk to me about the potential of the football team kev because that defensive front can do some things they got a veteran quarterback they have some guys that are making plays talk to me about the potential about the potential of the football team so this one's real easy for me um when joe burrow left the game scores mm. nine seven cincinnati Okay. First of all, that not being a flag on a low hit is the worst missed call of the season. That's fair. Because it's literally a penalty built to tell people you can't go low. It leads to injuries like it's the one that happened to Joe that. Burrow. Yes. Literally, it's such an insane thing that there was no flag. They were up 9-7 the Bengals with a missed extra point, a missed bullet field goal, and getting stood up on the two-yard line. The game could have been over, and Finley could have just walked him home. And as far as that defensive line, you know how many times they sacked Joe Burrow? None. Yeah, you sacked Ryan Finley four times. Yeah, me too. I got Ryan Finley in a predictable game script. What do you think is going to happen? He's going to get sacked four times on Can I sack Andy Dalton four times on Thursday? Because that's really all that matters. Yeah, but at the end of the day, Andy Dalton, Ryan Finley, could never imagine of being an Andy Dalton. Like... So for Washington, Alex Smith, 166. No, Washington is not good. I think Dallas should be laying more than a field goal already. I'll tell you that. It's an early look ahead to that Thursday game. All right. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line, giving you the edge, breaking down what we saw in week 11. And, Kev, the Jets played the Chargers, right? And I was telling anybody who would listen that the Jets with the points were the right side because the backdoor cover was going to be live and the Chargers could have chargered it away. And at one point, the Chargers were certainly up by more than two touchdowns. The Jets find the backdoor. And then the Chargers even almost mess up the end of the game with the safety and all 
almost giving the Jets a last-second chance, but they don't. The Chargers win this game 34-28. The Jets are still winless. The Chargers move to 3-7. and seven. And let me tell you something else that that Joe Burrow injury did, in my opinion. It locks up the Rookie of the yeah. Year award for Justin Herbert and the Los Angeles Chargers. I mean, honestly, Kev, another 366 yards, another three touchdowns with no interceptions. And, Kev, how many weeks ago was it? That I told people, hey, do what you need to do to trade for Keenan Allen. He is a wide receiver one that you don't need to, like, think through. You don't need just listen to me and acquire him because he is ascending. Kev, 16 catches, 145 yards, and a touchdown. He had something like 10 catches on 11 targets. In the second quarter, Kev, this offense continues to be dynamic. Flacco and the Jets continue to look a lot better than they did in the kind of doldrums of the season. No doubt because they have Mims and Perryman there. You know, even Herndon gets involved with a touchdown. But Kev... Justin Herbert, they have found themselves something. My question for you, though, in the same way that, like, I say they're not going to bring Mixon back, and it's a damn shame what happened to Burrow, I I put Herbert and Eckler in bubble wrap for the rest of the season, bro. Oh. Like, the only bad thing, that, I mean, I don't actually do that, oh. but Justin Herbert is proving that he's a franchise quarterback for this Chargers yeah. team for the next decade. To be honest with you, what Justin Herbert is doing is why a lot of younger quarterbacks right now probably feel like their leash isn't long. Uh, Darnold, Jones, Baker, Wentz, whomever it might be, because Herbert is doing this right away. And, and now, listen, could something happen? Maybe, but you mentioned it. 366 yards and three passing touchdowns. He looks dynamic. He looks great. I don't think we'll see the Rookie of the Year market posted again, if it is. I would say if they post Herbert at 400 or lower, it's bettable because the award is done. Once Tua got benched and Burrow got hurt, um, I know people might not want to bet a minus 400 number, but if that's your that's your style, I think that's a. I think you're still getting parlay it with that. the Chiefs to win the division or something, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, if that's a, if that, that's an option, here's the deal with the right, Jets. Right, though. You know what I mean? Um, you were saying roll with the Jets. Ultimately, got the job done. And we're also yep. talking about the overall week, Dane. And that was the thing that at least you didn't in. even really have to sweat. Because this yeah. game flew over the number, right? Yeah. So 62 points in this one. I really feel like the Jets should be excited-ish about the receiving core. Because Brashad can take the top off of the yeah. defense. Denzel has talent. Crowder is a legitimate is a legitimate wide receiver. Slot but here's, here's what they need to do. Get Darnold back out there. Let him play six games with these with these weapons. Let people think he's good. Flip him. Don't buy in to Darnold. Oh, see, this is what it doesn't matter. The most valuable thing in this league, anyway, is a quarterback on a rookie contract. You're not going to pay Darnold. Get him out there with these weapons. Let him look competent. Probably, hopefully, not win too many games. Let the defense still be the issue. Greg Williams has no idea what see what year it is. He's still trying to stop the run. He's no idea what year it is. Fine. But I really do look at this spot right now, and I think that the Jets have an opportunity to salvage Darnold's trade value. Hopefully they don't end up falling in love again. Yeah, um, I buy that. By the way, the Jets and Greg Williams, they are double the amount of roughing the passer penalties of any other team in the league. So maybe he's still bounty hunting as well, Kev. I, you know, You know the way I feel about Sammy D. 
Um, yep. But I think you're right. Um, to be quite honest, because I like Sam Darnold, what I hope for him now is from him to have a career path a la Ryan Tannehill, right? To get a fresh start, get away from Adam Gaze, and then become a, you know, uh, regarded as a good NFL quarterback in your second stop. That's what I hope for him. But obviously, the uh, Los Angeles Chargers have found their guy. Maybe the Jets will swing again in April of 2021. This next game I want to ask you about, the Patriots and the Texans. You know, you talk about what we were talking about all week long, Kev, right? And you and I thought viewed this game similarly. Forget about what our, our essential conversation about the Patriots, right? You and I both thought this was an identity game, that the Patriots would be able to run the ball as per their identity against the worst run defense in the NFL, right? And then we both said the only variable was how ridiculously good will Deshaun Watson be, yep. right? That's what we thought about in this game. And I got to tell you, Kev, Deshaun Watson was ridiculously good. I mean, he goes 28 for 37, 344 yards, two touchdowns, runs the ball in for another touchdown, eating that element. But I got to say this, the run defense of the Texans also show up. Harris, only 43 yards. Cam Newton, only six yards, no touchdown, right? James White, Get some carries, only probably because Rex Burkhead leaves this with a gruesome knee injury himself. But the Texans' yeah. defense bowed up, stopped the run, and get a victory as a home dog. Deshaun Watson kind of did his thing. But now, however you view the game, do you see it kind of the same way as I do? And then also tell me, um, is it okay for our graphics guy, Steve, to no longer have the Patriots on the playoff uh, graphic? Well, Steve wasn't putting them on anyway. He was too busy putting the Lions and the Niners on the graphics. Fair. So I don't think he has anything to worry about in that regard. And ultimately, this was what we said, that Watson could go out there and be special. We did. And he was. There's no shame in losing to Deshaun Watson in his building when he has a great football game. The reality is, I still think the New England Patriots are one of the seven best teams in the AFC. It's they lost all of their breathing room due to COVID. They lost three games that they couldn't, and they had a three-game stretch. I think they would have won the two home games against Denver and the Niners had they not been dealing with the COVID issues. They would right now be 6-4 and four instead of 4-6. and six. And They'd be still right there in the mix. Same record as the Dolphins, same record as the Raiders. Game back of a bunch of other teams. But they're not because they lost their breathing room. If this team was to get to the playoffs, they'd have to win out. It's an unreasonable ask. So I look at this New England Patriots team. It's still a team I will bet on. I think we can still win some money with this team. It was not a great spot because Watson is dangerous. And he was and he was locked up last week in the weather in Cleveland. But I still hold firm about how I view this New England team. And I don't think anybody is going to tell me that they should be like, see how fraudulent they are losing by the 7 to the Texans in Houston with Watson playing that well. I'd be surprised by anyone who had that take. My take is what about the fact that they could only muster 80 yards on the ground against a team that was worst in the NFL against the run and no. got half of that total. Okay, Watson See, is Watson. We talked about this, right? Yeah, I'll they, give you that. Watson can, on any given day, yeah. right, do enough to win. But this was the worst run defense in the NFL, Kev. Yeah. And the Patriots could only amass half of the total of what the Texans usually give up. This has nothing to do with Watson. What about that piece? Because you and I both said that what yeah. the Patriots could do was run the ball. That was what they wanted to do. Damian Harris, all this stuff. That did not come to fruition yesterday. What about that piece of the game? Because they were playing a little bit from behind. So Cam Newton threw for 365 yards. It wasn't like they were shut out on the ground. 
They, they, they were able to move the football on the ground. They had to start throwing. He threw 365 yards. They, they, they got well over 400 yards of offense. They outgained the Texans. The offense was not the issue. They didn't finish it off. They were on the 20-yard line right there at the end of the game. Again, same thing with the Bills' loss. Same things with the Seahawks' loss. They only lose close when it's not having to do with COVID. I mean, I, I don't know. Like, that's not for but me. They also have to win close on the road against the winless Jets. Like, we can't make the excuse sure. about that one, right? But then also, like you said, the results I'm not making are the an results. Excuse. So we can find ways I'm, that I'm not making an excuse. They lost the football game. But if okay. you're going to roll out a, yeah, but see, they didn't. Yeah, Dane, they threw it 40 times and threw for 365 yards. That's the second most yards Cam's thrown for all year. The problem was not they didn't run the football. They so outgained the, the Texans. What was they, the problem? They then? gave up two scores in succession to end the half that put them behind the eight ball, and they couldn't polish off the drives with touchdowns. They had to settle for okay. two, for multiple field goals. So Kevin still believes in the four and six New England Patriots you as a good them team to win the game. As a good team that he will still bet on, you know, at sure. some point. At you some bet point, on them this week. Them I know but you yeah. did. Of course I did, and I was wrong. And when can we put them to bed? That is the question. And it seems They're like you're still slate next week. Stuff. They're never to bed. Right. We'll see what happens. We got the news update after this and more week 11 to break down. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line, giving you the edge. Big shout out to all of our radio affiliates as well. Thanks for getting the edge, hopping on the grid bright and early with us. Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh looking back at week 11. We got one more game of week 11 to talk about as well, and then we will do that. But first, the Pittsburgh Steelers keep the zero on the right side of their column. People are talking about potential trap games. You hear Mike Tomlin talking about this isn't the Big Ten versus the Mac. Well, it looked like the Big Ten against the Mac. Luton throws four picks, and the Steelers, you know, it was tight, I guess, for like a quarter, but then they pretty much do whatever it is they want. This elite fantasy herd that I keep on talking about in Pittsburgh continues to show out as well, Kev. I mean, call it what you want, right? Connor does work. Deontay Johnson this week, though. 12 catches, 111 yards. So when everybody was on Juju's performance last week, he rolls his ankle. When everyone loves Chase Claypool, and he does get to double digits in touchdowns for the season with 10, it is Dio who has the huge pop-off game, right, with like 11 catches and over 100 yards. Big Ben, the trigger man, still finding the matchups, and that's what you got to do with the herd. You take the shepherd that is the trigger man. He continues to go through the Steelers, do what they They've got to do. Don't fall victim to the trap. Win this game 27 to 3. They remain undefeated, Kev. This game is kind of wild because I think they did fall victim to the trap. They lost like the first 15 quarter. Minutes. Yeah. Three nothing. I mean, yeah. with a minute left in the first half, it was a seven point ball game. The, this basically, though, Jake Luton finally played like we thought he might. Yeah. Four picks for 151 yards on 37 attempts. Give the Steelers credit. I'm not saying don't give them credit. But as far as like the trap or no trap thing, I saw a Steelers fan. We know Alex Fasano well from the network. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's another one of those weeks. Steelers fans are like, I can't believe this is happening. 
But then the yeah. Jaguars were like, no, listen, we promise we won't do anything else the rest of this game. And they didn't. Yeah, I mean, that's what it comes down to. Let me ask you this, though. I got a weird – like, I don't think the Steelers are going to go 16-0. I think they're a really good team, okay? I think they actually match up decently with Kansas City. I couldn't wait to see that if it were to happen in the playoffs, right? You've been saying the Chiefs are onto a tier to themselves. I think Pittsburgh is knocking on the door. You know this. We I've had more faith in their defense and stuff like that all season, but I digress. I don't think they're going to go 16-0, right? But – where are they going to lose? Do you think they lose to the rival on Thanksgiving night? Like, we got to find losses because I don't think they're going to go 16-0. and You think they could trip up in a revenge divisional hatred matchup against the Baltimore or something like that? Or do you believe this team can get through the regular season? Without no, I don't, see him, I don't see him going 16-0. I either, but where is it going to happen? I mean, I think they could lose Thursday for sure. Yeah, me too. Um, I mean, I, I think uh, Buffalo's tough. I think the Colts and that Cleveland are, are, are also difficult okay. games. I, I also, I would have given Burrow a real shot to take the home game off of him, but it's not Burrow anymore. Right. All right. We shall see. Uh, do the Jaguars get another win for the rest of the season? Or no, will they? So you think the Jets have to lose out to maintain, huh? I mean, maybe Jacksonville gets one, but like... I mean, it's a very like it's not even like oh, it's Jacksonville. Who they got? Home versus, home versus the Browns at the oh. Vikings. Home versus eh. the Titans at the eh. Ravens. Home eh. versus the Bears. Yeah, I know. At the Colts. Home versus the Bears sounds intriguing. Yeah, and the Colts as well. Those division matchups are intriguing. Remember, the Jaguars did beat the Colts, I think, in Week One. Right, right. The so the Colts division matchups need that have anything game, to play for. I agree with you. The Jags are not but, beating them twice. All I'm saying is that there's weird division stuff that always can happen. We'll see if they do get one. Uh, But the Pittsburgh Steelers are clearly the story. They continue on. They look good. Juju did roll an ankle, though. So that's something we're going to have to keep an eye on. There is a quick turnaround with Baltimore in that Thursday night game that a lot of people are excited to see. That's going to salvage the schedule on Thanksgiving, if you ask me. Because the first game will feature the Detroit Lions, who didn't score a point yesterday, Kev. So we we got to talk about them. And listen, we were like, who's going to play quarterback? Who's going to be healthy? All this stuff, right? We see P.J. Walker on one side. He does just fine, right? 258 yards. They put up 20 points. It's the Detroit Lions and Matt Patricia that do squadoosh. Matthew Stafford, only 178 yards. Uh, no DeAndre Swift. And they don't do much. They looked real bad, Kev. They got to turn around, though, with that good old traditional home Thanksgiving matchup. I don't know anybody that wants to see this. I mean, Adrian Peterson and Kerryon Johnson combined for 35 yards on 13 carries. They don't really have much going, and we got to sit through this on Thanksgiving afternoon. I'm a proud owner of an over ticket in this game because <laughs> what a story. The Detroit Lions are the second team to get shut out on the season. The <laughs> New York Jets are the only other team that's been shut out. And I'll tell you what, I, I'm i glad I had the over. Carolina scored <laughs> 20 and got picked on the five twice. They yeah. could easily put 30 up in this game. How did Detroit get shut out? Like, you, like I took the over because I thought P.J. Walker could be tricky, could do some things. And you might say, well, why didn't you take plus three? Because the Panthers' defense is a 
abysmal. It's the worst. It's one of the worst. They give up 46 to Tampa Bay, 33 to the Chiefs. I know those teams are great. I get it. But Detroit, can you muster up anything? Like, I should be right now complaining to you that I lost because of the P.J. Right, Walker right. interceptions. And I'm not because Detroit got shut out. Mm-hmm. What? And Detroit, sure by the did. way, look ahead line is catching two and a half points at home to the Texans. I don't know anybody that's not going to bet the Texans. I oh, no, I am. Trying. I'm going to bet the Lions. I'm going to bet the Lions. I'm that's you right now. Crazy. I'm going to bet the Lions. Why? Uh, two we'll trends it, that I, I have learned. That, that's what I was just going to tell you. I'm going to bet Detroit on Thursday. They are the embodiment of two trends that I talk about all the time, and I kick myself when I don't go with it. Detroit will be a home dog in that game, and I've been on home dogs. Okay, Carolina came in as a home dog. It was 4-1, and one, over 60% so far in the season. And, Kev, you know about my closer eye special. When a team underperforms the point spread by more than 21 points in the one week, yeah. I go back to them the next. They were three-point favorites. They lose by 20. They return home, right, to see a Houston Texans team that they bowed up and got a win at home because Deshaun Watson was great. They still have a bad run defense. I am looking for DeAndre Swift to be up out of the concussion protocol by Thursday. I am that fool, Kev. I am going to blindly trust trends. I'm going to hold my nose, close my eyes, not watch the game as I'm eating turkey, but I'm betting Detroit on Thanksgiving. Let's keep it moving, though, here because, you know, What do we care about these teams, right? Neither one of them are moving forward in the grand scheme of things. We'll see if and when Teddy Bridgewater comes back. Steve will have the Panthers on the graphic. That's true. He might. He might. And we will see uh, if and when DeAndre Swift comes back, and we'll see how long Matt Patricia holds that job in Detroit after a shutout loss. We do have a game left, though, here to finish off Week 11, and it are teams that we should be talking about because their future has a lot left in front of them. The Los Angeles Rams at 6-3 and three travel to Tampa Bay for Monday night to take on the 7-3 and three Bucks. Both of these teams have to be licking their chops, Kev. If you're the Tampa Bay Bucks, you see Drew Brees down. You see the Packers having lost at the top of the NFC. If you're the Rams, you see the Cardinals fall by the wayside earlier in the week, right? And you could solidify yourself. The narrative around the winner of this game is going to be right there in like tier one and a half of the NFC. The Bucks are at home laying four and a half. 48 is the total. Kev, I might surprise you on this one also. I am intrigued by both of these defenses. I don't know if they get to 48 in this one. How do you see this one playing out? There's no surprise about that. The Rams are cool. defined by their defense on the season. And the Rams have played to six straight unders. In a year of offense, 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 they have been an under machine. You know, even the early explosion, right? right. Still, they're two and right. seven or seven and two this year to the under. So 48 and a half does feel like a scary number. You and I talked very briefly pre show about this game, though. I mean, this thing is like 20 to 13 final, or it's like 35 30. And I, it's like, it, right. it's a game because both teams have. This is why both of these teams are really interesting. They both have the recipe to play either style. Tampa does have what looks to be an elite defense. The Rams are making a case for best defense in football. The Rams, like, I don't know if we'll ever be able to remove ourselves from that team that went to the Super Bowl. And right, the you think that they're this offensive, high-flying, explosive. Kind of team. Yep. But you think that, like, there's, there's parts of that's there, right? Like, 
Cup and Woods and Reynolds is popping. The players still dress. Does yes. stuff. Like, you know, can Goff do some stuff? Sure. And then Tampa Bay. God almighty. A.B., Godwin, Mike, Brady, Grant. Like, it's a, it's a fantasy haven. Like, how many guys this week are starting in, on fantasy teams, right? Yeah. That's Eight? fair. Like, legitimately, at least, like, a, at least. like a, a at ton least. of guys. Right, at least. Yeah, I just ball. I just ballparked it. Right, like if you were to yeah, quickly yeah. count it up, it probably it probably yeah. is higher. So, like realistically, that kind of says let's get over the number. But they can. So that's why I think it's I think it's really difficult because if you were to just play it money line, even right. Well, the Rams prefer to play slow. I know that for sure. I think could be wrong. I feel like Tampa prefers to score. I feel like they prefer to run it up. They love that their defense is great and can make plays. But I think Tom, anytime he can throw four touchdowns, he's all about throwing four touchdowns. And that's where I start to get worried right now with this total. I, I'm buying what you're selling. I, I don't think it's a bad pick at all. Again, I've yeah. seen this movie. This is a game everyone teases to the over. The score is 20 to 13 with five minutes left. I've seen this before. Yep. And you're praying, oh, one more touchdown. It's 2020. We got to get over. It's per. It's per. It's a tough game, but it's a fun one. I like this game. We'll talk a little bit more because you like it. I got a couple points. We'll see if there's any props you like. And then, listen, we had a busy weekend in the NBA, which I know Kevin is all over. Shams and woes, notifications. We're going to put them all together and see the changing landscape in the association as well when we come back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, welcome back in, everybody. Right here to the early line, giving you the edge. We're talking about Monday Night Football, where the Rams and Bucks are going to play tonight. And off-air, Kevin and I were just talking. We legitimately counted 50 fantasy viable assets in this game so some weeks are probably still not decided for you fantasy managers out there if you have a really bad beat by the way you could always hit me up at spit and speeds we do our game of inches like for example if that last catch from tim patrick put you over the top in a game you know we want to know about it but in any event i digress let me tell you something i think is really key here kev and again we don't talk about the offensive line much when we were talking about the problems for Baltimore, we have to include, you know, Ronnie Stanley went down for the season, right? Yep. Their center got replaced uh, because yeah. of poor play, right? So offensive lines are important. I don't want to hear it, and people don't think about it. And, Kev, remember, Andre Whitworth went down for the Rams, okay? Uh, their big-time Pro Bowl left tackle, protecting Jared Goff, Part of the reason this Rams team is so physical, we like the three-headed monster of the run game. Is that important to you? Like, does that reshape some of it, some of this to you? What the Rams want to do? You said you would prefer. You think they prefer to grind it out, be physical. Yeah. I agree with you. How much of a knock is it that uh, Wentworth won't be there to protect Goff from guys like Shaq Barrett, like JPP, and the rest? I think I got to take the box. This team wants to run the football against the best run defense in football, and then the other option is putting it on Goff's arm. 
Like, I honestly, my favorite thing is when you and I get to talk out a Monday game, and I don't know what I want to do, and then it just kind of comes home. It's got to be Tampa. I know four and a half's a lot, and maybe it feels a little a little disrespectful if you think them and the Rams are even, but the Rams haven't been as good outside of Cali. Like, I got it. Because here's the question I'll, I'll throw at you, Dane. Yeah. Let's just, who is Jalen Ramsey guarding? Who do, who do I think, honestly? Yeah, I mean. I think Godwin. That's what I think, too. He's the one with the I highest think under receiving the yards. slot. I think Godwin, because the thing is with Evans, right? Part of yeah. the reason Evans is so good is just his straight size and physicality, right? So even right. Lattimore, uh, you know, Ramsey, all those guys, like, you can still throw the high ball. You know what I mean? But if I'm the Rams, yeah. I say, go take that guy away. That's what I say, right? Mm. And that would be Godwin to me. But then again, I'm not a defensive coordinator. I do want to say this, though, Kev. I've been thinking about this. We never have time. When we have time, Kev, I truly, at some point, maybe it's over, like, the holidays. I want to give you – I have a platform because I did play football, okay, like coming up in high school and stuff like that. I want to tell you something I would dramatically change if I was a offensive coach and a defensive oh, coach. I have two techniques, two schemes that I really fundamentally want to teach and practice, kids. If I was in the NFL, I know you have your face. I'm not joking, and I wish I had time to do that. You brought it up with uh, who is Ramsey on. Remind me, when we're slow one time, maybe over the holidays, I got to pitch this to you. But I digress. Yeah, I think he's on Godwin. What do you think of the prop market? Yeah, I think the receiving yards are really interesting because last week the trio all went over their numbers. Yeah, Goff has been over 300, I think, like, his last three even. Oh, I mean, yeah. Like, but this is my thing. So, if I – Tampa, I've got a two-game sample size of these three wide receivers. They scored 46 in one game, three in the other. What am I supposed to do with that? I don't know. I'm thinking it might be the worst idea ever of just betting all three of them over and hoping that two two out of three is my worst case. And maybe we pop one. I don't know. I don't know if that's a great. I'm worried idea. about that. I here's 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 why I'll, I'll say this though. I am sticking on this because I know there's a lot of people that want to give you your slam dunk home run plays. At the end of the day, Dane and I would do the show earlier than anybody else. Uh, everyone has all day to figure out their stuff. There's a lot of stuff that comes in during the day. I believe this to be the most interesting props market of tonight's game and moving forward is figuring out how to play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers wide receivers. I buy that. I understand that conceptually. I would be on the other side, Kev, today. If I was going to do something with all three Bucs receivers, I'd take them all under. I'd take them all under, not them all over. I, I believe in this Rams defense. They are second in the NFL, giving up only 19 points a game. And, you know, this is the kind of defense where in this play, a prime time spot, they could show up. I, I really yeah. believe fundamentally this is going to be an under game. I, I'm taking under 48 and a half as my play in this game, Kev. If you ask me for one, it's under 48 and a half. A lot on the line for both of these teams, given the NFC playoff picture. We will update that in tomorrow's episode of the early line. We'll look at the playoff picture. We'll look at the draft order. We'll look at some of the moving story on the injuries. And we'll probably, Kev, also talk NBA because free agency is on and popping. We talked about this 10-day window, Kev, right, where the draft was going to happen. Trades were going to happen. Free agents were going to sign. And catch us up, Kev 
have because over the weekend people may have been watching college football or the NFL or any other thing, you know, going out to, I don't know, get some fresh air and not see all the moves that happened as the free agency window opened. So tell me, what do you think was the biggest move? I mean, Gordon Hayward leaves $34 million on the table to get 120 over four from the Charlotte Hornets. Montrez Harrell is moving, right, but staying in the Staples Center. The Clippers, the Lakers doing a lot. The Knicks, you know, making their splash with Austin Rivers, but whatever. Who do you think is the biggest winners? What took your eye in this weekend where there was so much going on? What rated for you in the NBA? I will just quickly say I love what the Knicks are doing. I'm going to be the only person, so be it. The Lakers are big winners. because Leon Rose love Good, good. They should be. They're going to be the worst team in the NBA, and that's a good thing. That's what they should want to be. There's 30 teams, like 28 of them want to make the playoffs. The Knicks are in a good spot. They should want the first pick in the draft. Cade Cunningham, get to know the name. Watch Oklahoma State games. Don't fall too in love. The lottery's a mess. With that being said, the Lakers took JaVale McGee, Dwight Howard, and Rajon Rondo and turned it into Marcus Gasol, Montrezl Harrell, sixth man of the year, Dennis Schroeder, second and sixth man of the year. Yeah. And they were the best team in the NBA last year. And they're now plus 290 in the futures market. Next closest is plus 550. And it's incredibly justified. The Lakers got better. And last year, Dane, it's you know it's it's nice because you and I were able to kind of go through the whole. We didn't get to go through start to finish, but we kind of, kind of picked it up at the stop point. We've watched through all the playoffs together. Yeah, and yeah, the big sure. question around the Lakers was trying to figure out the depth. Here they, they've turned it into their right. strength now. Right. You know they also added a West Matthews. They got KCP to walk back into the door, and they still have the best duo in basketball. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who are like, oh, yeah, what else was Kevin going to say? But I'm just calling it for what it is. The best team in basketball got better. That's horrifying for the rest of the league. I can't believe Montrezl Harrell took the mid-level exception to come to the other locker room in the Staples. Hmm. It speaks volumes to me about the state of the organization with the Clippers and how that locker room was tumultuous. And there were issues in that locker room. And that thing will crack at the seams this year if they don't get to an NBA Finals. I truly believe that. They made a nice deal. They picked up Serge Ibaka. Serge mm-hmm. Ibaka had a lot of suitors. Played some real, real good playoff basketball for the Toronto Raptors. Can spread the floor still. Can play some good defense. He's a big dude. Seven-footer. No doubt about it. But now I got people telling me Serge Ibaka is better than Montrezl Harrell. No. No, he's not. All right. Fair enough. And like you talk about the Lakers as per depth, right? And I think that is very interesting because the other things we're hearing about the Lakers, I heard Palinka over the weekend being like, yeah, with this schedule, we'll see what works for LeBron, right? So if LeBron doesn't want to play for a little while, right? If LeBron wants to get that, you know, load management going on, the depth becomes even more important. And like you said, they are augmenting that. I do think that Serge Ibaka in the role for Montrezl Harris over there in the other team in LA is a good move for the Clippers. Whether you think it's an upgrade or not, they're trying to address it, and they do with Serge Ibaka. Talk to me about Gordon Hayward, Kev, because he yeah. winds up going to Charlotte, right? I heard Atlanta. I heard the Knicks. I heard other contenders. Isn't Gordon Hayward at the point of his career? Listen, he was going to get money. He left $34 million on the table. I thought that he was going to be driven by contenders and winning. So either he's not, or you view Michael Jordan, 
LaMelo Ball and the Charlotte Hornets as contenders. Which one is it, Kev? So here's the deal. If you would like to play the futures market like my friend Dane so incredibly did, and you want to hit the cash out button, you take the Hornets at 101 that you win the East. That they should be closer to the Wizards, who had John Wall request a trade, or the Magic, who didn't really get better and spent the whole offseason trying to get rid of Aaron Gordon. The Pacers, who are still trying to figure out if Oladipo wants to be there. 101. The Hornets are the same number as the Bulls and the Detroit Pistons. Listen, is Gordon Hayward ever going to get back to the all-star form in Utah? I don't know, but Dane, I think we would both agree that he came back and gave Boston some extra oh, yeah. against oh, Miami. Yeah. And I'm excited about what LaMelo Ball brings to the table. P.J. Washington, Miles Bridges, Devonta Graham. There's pieces in Charlotte. There's I pieces just, everywhere, Kev. There's 100%. pieces everywhere. And that's you know? why the 100-to-1 ticket, you will never cash that number. That's fair. But if you can cash, cash out, out. <laughs> that's then right. you win. It's funny, you know, Kev, like we always start talking about these young teams in the West that we like that make moves that have all this young talent. Now you're talking about teams in the East, too, right? Charlotte. And I'll mention, listen, talk about some young pieces. Trey Young is a young piece. John Collins is a young piece. And the Atlanta Hawks have augmented this as well, right? Getting a veteran presence in Rajon Rondo, if they ever get to the playoffs, maybe they get the benefit of playoff Rondo. And then you got done as well. You like what the Hawks are doing. Dane, also, they got Bogdanovich. Sure, what right. Did the right. Bucks do? Right. Oh, my right. gosh. I've ne- What happened? Like, Giannis was supposed to, I think, have signed the Supermax by now. Every right. Now, listen, Milwaukee still had a fine offseason. They picked sure. up Bryn Forbes, Torrey Craig, some good players, okay? And Drew Holiday's a nice piece. Holiday, yeah. But they had Bogdanovich. It looked like such a slam dunk move. They were giving up next to nothing. Dante DiVincenzo was the best player going out. You do that 10 times out of 10. And then we heard that, oh, well, it's coming back around. And, 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 and I went, oh, well, they're just trying to get out of the tampering issue that they put themselves in. Mm-hmm. And now he's going to be on the Atlanta Hawks or the Sacramento Kings, depending on whether Sacramento ruins the fun and matches the offer. And Atlanta now pulls up to the party. With Trey Young, Bogdanovich, Capella, John mm-hmm. Collins, Rondo mm-hmm. off the bench, and Yaka off the bench. Mm-hmm. They'll throw Cam Reddish and DeAndre Hunter and Kevin Herter. Like, there's pieces there. There's meat on the bone when it comes to the Atlanta Hawks. So that's awesome for Atlanta. I won't be able to watch Bogdanovich, though, have a good game and not think about the Milwaukee Bucks True. for, like, the rest of his career. Yeah, no no doubt. I mean, Serge Ibaka leaves Toronto. The same will not be said about our guy FVV. Apparently $21 million a year is enough for our guy Van Fleet to stay with the Toronto Raptors, who, by the way, will be playing in Tampa Bay of all places. Yeah. But what are you looking for now this week, right? Are the Rockets going to blow it up? Now John Wall wants out. What are the names we're going to be talking about? In the NBA, potentially moving, because you're right. I still don't want to get ahead of this futures market just yet. What are you looking for this week in the NBA and movement? Wall's a good one to watch. He was clearly furious that his name was connected in a Westbrook trade. And he's like, oh, you want to trade me? Yeah, now you have to. Uh, Also, Christian Wood. The Knicks can fit him in their cap? 
Yeah, but no, that's not what we're doing. I know, I know, I know, I know. Hey, they got 40 million out there. They're going to spend it somewhere. Take contracts, get picks. Tank, 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 tank. Fair enough. Do the Rockets blow it up this week, Kev? Yes or no? No. We'll wrap a bow on it when we come back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line. We'll dive into it a little bit more on our Tuesday shows. We'll have all the guests we have. Got to wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving, all of our friends of the show, Kev. But we do have a new top 25. You know we've been digesting the college football season as it comes. Listen, if you want to talk about biggest winners, for me, it's the Northwestern Wildcats. They get through Wisconsin, right? They now are the team we're talking about that may take a crack at Ohio State. Do I think they'll beat the Buckeyes, no, but they're in that Indiana-Wisconsin spot now, so they should be kind of uh, welcome. Oregon moves up to nine, and remember, we're talking about now how the Pac-12 could schedule other opponents. That's intriguing to me. You know about my chaos theory teams, but still right there at five and six are the SEC squads. Texas A&M hasn't played in two weeks, and they don't move, mm-hmm. Kev. Yeah, I mean, listen, people are, are dealing with COVID. I, again, they've they've still got six games under the belt. We've talked about this. We didn't realize it until it happened. The worst thing that could have happened for Cincinnati and BYU was Florida beating Georgia because it took A&M with them, and it jumped yeah. up everybody, and that's not what they needed. Um, I will say Oregon is really, really catching my eye. So the mm. 26th team in the country – is UW, Washington. Hmm. You can look at the others receiving votes and and count it up. So Washington is 26. Now, for Oregon, that is going to be their final game of the year. But if they win that game, it would then, your ideal world, Washington is ranked going in. Does Oregon crack through? I mean, realistically, right? Because... BYU and Cincinnati are there. They're doing everything they can. BYU, so wait, i got to stop I mean, you right there, Kev. Yeah. You know, you're talking about a team that's 26. Since his last game, they're 24. Tulsa is now yeah. there. So a win for Cincinnati over Tulsa, shouldn't that be better than a win for Oregon over this 26 UW well, team? Well, sure, but Oregon will then play in the Pac-12 title game against an unbeaten USC, possibly. And also, you would have like maybe SMU again or something like that. Yeah, but you all, again, if I say, hey, I I'm know, the Pac-12 champion, and you know it. all of this. Like, you know. Fair enough. North, North Carolina getting into 25, potentially helping a matchup with Notre Dame as well, right, Kev? Big ones to look forward to. Yeah, 4530 ND. All right, fair enough. Listen, Clemson AM, they're going to have to start playing eventually. The morning after is up next. We got a whole Thanksgiving week to break it down. Have a good one, everybody. We'll talk tomorrow. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.